uh, Big Sandy the first time when we were interviewing uh, uh, with y'all. We we traveled with with uh, myself and and my wife and and our daughter, um, and and some of y'all have met Abby. I think um, she was running around up here during the prayer, um, and and I swear she's she's about that big, right? Does that sound about right? You know, at the time she was a little smaller, and um, when we packed to come out here, I you know I had my my luggage, right? Like I had my my laptop bag and I had my my um, couple sets of clothes, because we were only here for two days? Three. We were here for three days, and my wife packed, you know, slightly more than I did. And and then there was Abby's stuff. Like, anybody who's had small children or been close to small children, like, I, I tease my wife about overpacking, but, but Abigail, she has stuff. I mean, <laughs> between strollers, and I, I remember um, we were, you know, like like it was a several-day process to pack, you know, and you want to make sure you have everything. You, you know what I mean? Like, if any of y'all ever taken a, a couple-day trip where you'd be out of town and you knew you had to take it with you? And, you know, I, my father-in-law once told me that if he could, he'd carry his whole house on his back all the time. So he always, you know, because he always wanted to make sure he had everything. And and for us, when we were coming out here, we wanted to make sure we had everything. And so we packed and packed and planned and carefully worked. And, and Abigail, you know, if you have a child, it's like like going to the moon. You gotta have, you know, diapers and you gotta have three sets of clothes in case she, you know, soils too. And you have to have, you know, burp rags and medicine and, you know, I mean, everything conceivable. And, and, and we had it all. And we arrived at the airport and, um, you know, got out of the, got out of the shuttle from the, the, the hotel and, and we go in and my wife, um, goes to that, that machine. It looks like an ATM machine. You know what I'm talking about? That you can do the check in with your credit card. Um, which is a little scary if you ask me, but, um, so we, we go to do our check-in and my wife swipes the card and, and she looks and, and it's, you know, what, three in the morning was it or two thirty? It was, you know, it was, it was two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. We're at O'Hare Airport in Chicago and we're, we're standing there. My wife swipes the card and looks at it and realizes she's just checked in for a 4 p.m. flight. 6 p.m. flight. So when we planned our flight, we had planned on leaving at 6 a.m. And the ticket that we ended up with was 6 p.m. And this is the domino effect that began the rest of our day, where, where it was, oh my gosh, we've got to fly standby, and we had to get through security without proper tickets. And we had to, I mean, it was one thing after another after another, and I think we had to catch a standby for our second flight. It was in Denver. So we flew into Denver, and like all of this stuff that Abby had that we had to take onto the plane as carry-on luggage, um, we're running through the airport carrying, she's carrying the baby, and I've got like a bag and another bag, and I'm dragging a suitcase, and i got a stroller full of luggage and, and a pack mule sign on my back, apparently. I don't even know, like, it's a husband's role. Um, and we, we ran, and because like the Denver airport is like three sections, and there's a subway that runs between them. You know, we, I mean, and we, I think we went across the tarmac in a special bus for people who were going to miss their flight. And, and it was, it was unreal. Um, and actually it started out where in the days preceding, we packed up everything that we absolutely needed. You know what I mean? 
and, and absolutely, we needed this and we absolutely needed that. And these are all essentials. These are the essentials to take with us. And when we showed up and we were standing in the airport, we realized that all of those things were pretty important. But that ticket, <laughs> that was essential, right? Um, we live in a culture where people surround themselves with stuff that's essential. This is more important than anything else in the whole world, and I darn well better have it, right? I mean, anybody know somebody who, who has accumulated nice cars? The biggest TV available? Every Apple product you can possibly buy? <laughs> My wife pointed at me, so did Daniel. <laughs> and it's so stink. These are essentials, right? You gotta get this stuff. Because it's important, you know, and, and my wife never understands that. We, uh, we got a, uh, an entertainment center we sort of accumulated and, and, and the TV is sitting in the middle of it. And I keep pointing out to her that, that our, our, I don't know, 30 inch television or whatever it is. <laughs> so she says, it, it's a nice TV, but the space is big enough for a 60 inch, and that would look so much nicer right there. And she doesn't get how essential that is. Like, it would fill the space, and that's what's important. And, and these things, I mean, can you all resonate with this? You pick out these things, and it's like, this is it. This is essential. This is what I need. And, and, um, actually our, our culture, Again, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna go after culture today. This is a bad habit, I guess. Um, it tells us, you know, if you ain't got it, you should probably figure out how to get it, right? And we'll give you credit. Um, or if you aren't looking for something, maybe there's something you haven't realized you need, right? I, I always love watching TV and you see the toy commercials, right? And the toy commercials are designed to convince small children that they need something they didn't know they needed yesterday or five minutes ago, and they come to you and it's like, I need this, right? Well, why do you need it? Because it's awesome. And, and this is how we kind of hit this point. And, and actually, I, um, I did the video. Some of y'all maybe saw the video this week with the fridge. Like, like this is oftentimes how folks approach God. Um, they, they're not exactly sure what they need, right? So they, they pick and choose, right? They, like, open the fridge... Anybody do this when they're bored? I check the fridge 42 times a day for no good reason. You know, and sometimes it's just checking the fridge to look and make sure the milk is still there. Or whatever. I mean, I don't even know. Like, like, and, and Abby's always right there, which is fun because she likes to dive in and grab stuff. You know, and so I'll check the fridge and, hey, I should probably be eating yogurt. You know, <laughs> grab some of that. I wasn't hungry. Didn't know I wanted it until I opened the fridge, but there it is and I darn well want it now, right? Um, the way this translates spiritually, oftentimes, and we live in a culture that's very spiritual, like 80 some odd percent of folks identify themselves as spiritual, right? I am spiritual. And they, you know, you start pushing the specifics about it and they're like, well, I believe in heaven. We like heaven, right? Heaven's an easy one to believe in. Um, I like the idea that some people will probably go to hell, right? Like Hitler. Um, and, and, um, Osama bin Laden probably, right? And, um, whoever invented those irritating, like, jingles for radio commercials. Um, and, and, like, we got a list. We know, you know, like, we like this idea, but then we start getting into the areas of what we don't want. And it becomes the part of the fridge, like the broccoli that's sitting in the back that's starting to get a little soft. You know, I don't think I need that. I, I think, you know, the leftover steak is what I want. Um, you know, we start hitting the things that we don't want, and we pick through, and it's like, well, 
well, I don't think I need that. Like, like redemption. I mean, we don't always like to talk about redemption, right? We don't like to talk about what's involved with that as a culture. We like the idea that God forgives. Forgiveness is good, right? That's like the, the cream on top. But we don't like to talk about Jesus tortured and died for my sins. Um, and we live in a culture, you know, this is, this is the way it is. This is the way we as Americans have kind of come to be. We're, we're consumers, right? And if I need it, I'll get it. And I'm going to get it with the features I want and the color I want you know, and the make, model, and, and year that I want. And this is what I'm going to have. And if I can't get it the way I want it, I'm going to go down the street and Burger King will have it. Or, or the other car dealership or eBay or someone will come along and provide for my basic needs quote-unquote needs, right? <laughs> with that 60-inch TV that works better with my Apple TV and that, you know, has the 3D option and, and everything else, but I don't really need any of that stuff, do I? Um, Philippians 4, 10 to 13. Um, this is Paul writing. Um, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. <laughs> um, and they have just sent him money. And Paul responds to him. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly in reference to him having received their money, right? Um, that now at last you have received, you revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Um, this is in reference to the fact that these people were concerned about Paul and they didn't have an opportunity to help. And when they found an opportunity to help, they helped um, by sending support. Um, now that I speak from want, or not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Other translations will actually render that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this is a passage that's sort of counter-cultural, right? Like right out of the gate. I, I don't need anything extra. I can be happy with nothing. I can be happy with a lot. But, you know, in, in my world, it's I can be happy with a big screen TV. And it'd be nice if I had a bigger TV. Um, which I guess is where I'm at now. That's an awful thing. I shouldn't have said this in front of the church. Uh, <laughs> undercut that argument forever. <laughs> um, um, thank you. In, this is actually a passage that's often misquoted, okay? And I'm going to explain this real quick. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? This is a passage folks will pick it up and they'll say, hey, you know what? You want to do anything? All you got to do is believe and God will help you do it, Right? That's like a trade. Just, just you know, believe and God will help you do anything. You need to change the world? Go ahead and believe in Jesus. You can do it. You want to build a multimedia empire? Believe in Jesus. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But that's not what he's talking about, right? He's talking about this idea that I can get through any circumstance through Christ who strengthens me. Um, I can be hungry, and I'm going to walk through that. I'm going to walk through it okay because I can be content. Because hungry, I still got Jesus right? I can be wealthy, and that's good, but it's not going to own me because I have Jesus, and that's what matters. Um, I can be sad because I've lost like somebody I care about, and I have Jesus, and I know salvation exists. 
Um, when Jess and I have talked about this a couple times, and Jess and I, we, we, we lost um, our first pregnancy a few years ago. It was really bad. It was very hard for us, and it was very painful. And we actually just left town and didn't even want to see anyone because, you know, we didn't want to talk to anyone. And in the end, I had a pastor friend of mine say to me, and it was the best thing I heard the whole time, you believe in Jesus, right? Yes. Believe that salvation happens, right? Yes. Well, if you believe that Christ saves us and he saves those who have faith, then you have heaven. And so you can lose anything and heaven is there. So like that baby we lost, right? Heaven. And we'll meet him one day and it'll be great, right? Because in Christ who strengthens me, I have hope for tomorrow. Even when hope doesn't feel like it's the thing that I want to have, even when I'm miserable, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Meaning I can walk through any circumstances. I can stand in any place. I can deal with anything that comes my way because God loves me. And because God sent His Son to die for me. And because if I have faith in that, um, I know there's a better tomorrow. It may not be easy, right? If you read um, Paul's full life story, right? Like, Like, read all of what Paul wrote. Paul talks about being tortured. Paul talks about being, um, there's a, there's a, a point in, in Paul's story where he's in a boat and the boat breaks apart in a storm and he's literally left hanging onto a board in the middle of the sea and he's there for three days and he ends up on the island of Malta, right? Like literally the guy is in the open sea on a board and I'm sure he didn't say, this is great. <laughs> Why didn't I do this sooner? The salt water is great for my pores. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm bad. It was a little more like, oh, God, please get me out of this. Oh, God, please get me out of this. Oh, God, please get... Isn't it true? Or, oh, God, I'm hungry. I've been out here a while. Or, I'm really thirsty. All I've got is salt water. You know, could... You know, like... like I'm guessing Paul wasn't singing, you know, like like praise over the uncomfortable, right? He was singing praise to Jesus. He was saying... I'm stuck, but I'm stuck for Jesus. And that's okay, because it's for Jesus. Um, it's not this Pollyanna-like like joy. Have you ever met someone like that who, who um, you know, regardless of the circumstances, they're unbelievably chipper, and you kind of want to punch them? I'm sorry if that's you. It was not my goal. <laughs> I really don't want to punch anyone. But, like, you know what I mean. Like, in your flesh, the sinful part of you is sort of like, oh, my gosh, can you just be a little less happy? It's not this Pollyanna-like joy. It's not, yeah, you know, the house got repossessed. Let's <laughs> it's not that. It's comfort in difficulty. It's, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that guy said that to me. I can't believe that guy is cheating me like this. And then backing up and saying, you know what, Jesus did the same thing for me. He got abused for me. He got... Um, you know, mistreated, he got betrayed. Jesus did these things for me, and now I know what he went through, and I get to share in Jesus. And that's fine. Not happy about it. But sharing in Christ in it. Um, I, I'm reading a book right now called The Essential Church, and, and the next few sermons are going to deal with this idea um, that there are elements of the faith that we should never leave home without. That we should... Like, it should, it should sit at the center of what we're looking for. Like, getting up in the morning at 
2 o'clock getting ready to catch an airplane and realizing that you have the right plane ticket. That kind of important. You with me? Like going, we went out last night to that, that, that roast beef dinner, the free roast beef dinner. Did anybody go to that? It was great. Um, it was all low cholesterol, I'm sure of it. Um, <laughs> I have high cholesterol, I'm sorry, I'm complaining a lot. Um, in Jesus' name, I'm complaining. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, we went out to that, and, and we forgot a couple of baby-related essentials that required me to go home, right? Like, these are things that we should always take with us. Why? Because if the baby gets a chance, she's gonna, right? And so you always have to have these baby-related essentials. The church, the body of Christ, should be an essential to our faith. Um, but, and this is something when I came here, okay? I'm, I'm telling you, this is in the heart of this church. People have talked about this. Um, and it's the church everywhere in this country. Folks are walking away. Ain't it the truth? I mean, we see generations of young people coming up in the church and then leaving and never coming back. It's like 75% or something like that. I forget the number off the top of my head. Huge chunks of us. Um, and we see folks who've been there for years and are suddenly gone. And after a little while, the room looks a lot emptier and you think, what happened to everybody? Um, the body of Christ, the church, should be in such a way that, like, it'd be like showing up to the airport without your plane tickets. It'd be like getting up in the morning and going to work without getting dressed. Like, it should be central to who we are. And, and um, oftentimes, for young folks, and this is, I'm reading this book, they did this survey, right, with all these young people who walked away. And in the end, the most common answer was, I stopped going because it really wasn't that important. Not that I don't believe in God, right? Not that I don't um, you know, believe in heaven. Not that I don't believe in hell. Not that I don't believe in Jesus. This just ain't all that important to me. It's not essential to my life. Um, and why? Well, well, all right. Uh, we have that Netflix. Anybody have Netflix? It's a great service. Um, and, and on Netflix, there are two or three TV shows I love, Right? Um, I love Doctor Who, which makes me a nerd. Um, does anybody else watch it at least? Thank you. <laughs> we should have a club. Talk to me later. Um, <laughs> I, I, Doctor Who is an English show. It's science fiction. It's very geeky, right? And Jess and I watch Doctor Who in spurts. We'll watch it for a few weeks, and then we'll just sort of like, meh, let's watch something else, and we'll watch something else. And then after a while, I'll rediscover Doctor Who, like, oh, hey, look, I could watch Doctor Who episodes, and we'll watch Doctor Who again. And then, you know, we'll kind of get tired of it, and we'll watch something else. And and as long as there's a different channel to change to, I got my options, right? Um, if the church is a channel that we watch on Sunday mornings, it's just not essential, right? If Eric's not all that interesting this week, I could probably sleep in. NFL is almost certainly more interesting than him, Right? Thank you for not amening. Um, if it's just a channel we watch, if we're spectators, it's not that important. Because if I'm a spectator, what am I in the process? I'm a guy watching. Um, becoming an essential church is about shifting from viewership, from being a fan, from hitting like on Facebook, to living a lifestyle, to being a certain kind of person. Over the next few weeks, the messages are going to focus on this topic. Um, they're going to focus on how do we become a church that it, it's an essential church. When folks walk in the door, they see this, and they say, this is something I have to be a part of, and this is it, right? This is, this is important 
this means something. Nobody's going to catch that joke. It's okay. Um, and this is the life that Paul lived, right? Like, if you look at Paul, he didn't just say, hey, you know what, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul is the guy who says to live is Christ and to die is gain. Wow, that's an attitude, isn't it? Paul is the one who says that when I'm tortured, I share in Christ's sufferings. Paul is the one who goes so far as to say, like, um, I lost my spot. Oh, he, he goes, he prays, he's like, God, I have this terrible thing in my life, can you fix it? And God doesn't answer, and he prays again, he says, can you fix it? And God doesn't answer again. And the third time he prays, he says, God, this thorn in my side, can you please get rid of it? And God says, you know what, I'm enough for you. And so if you're miserable, lean on me. And then my power is made complete in you. And he says, well, that's great. Then I'll be happy when I'm weak because then God does the work and it's not me. That is vital Christianity. That's vital following the faith. That's what becomes essential church. And if we're not a part of bringing people to that point, they're not going to do it. Isn't that the truth? Um, How does that happen? Well, we're going to talk about it. Again, this is the next few weeks. So this is my preview sermon. First off, it's got to be about Jesus. If Jesus Christ isn't at the center of it, if church is a social club, if church is a place we get together to make brisket, it might taste great and smell good, um, some of us, but <laughs> it's not essential, right? If church is a place you come to listen to Eric's jokes, I'm not that funny, and I'm going to get boring after a little while, and again, NFL is probably more interesting, right? <laughs> if church is a place to drop off your kids, that's not enough. It's got to be about Jesus. And when we gather together as believers, we've got to be the body of Christ. That's this cool thing the scriptures talk about, by the way. When we stand together, Jesus is physically present because we are the body of Christ, right? Like, this is what the essential church is. It's all Jesus. Every time Paul talks about, I can get through anything, every time Paul talks about um, um, anything related to like getting through life through Christ, it's always Jesus. Jesus is at the center of it. Jesus is what makes it worth it. Love Larry singing. If I'm not singing to Jesus, I don't think it's worth doing. Um, I, I like listening to myself talk. If I'm not talking about Jesus, I'm probably not worth listening to. Thanks, honey, for not amening that. Um, so what are the various elements of this? Well, we all have a part to play. We all have things to do in life. One of them is like studying and fellowship. Um, churches that become essential, and you can see this in the book of Acts, right? These are folks that gather together and they learn about who Jesus is and they grow closer to God together as a community, right? Um, you want to see a group of folks that do that really well? Show up at Brooks' house on Monday nights at, what, I like eight. I don't even know when it is. It changes every week. <laughs> Seven? Seven-ish. They gather up and they, they study Isaiah for the last eight years. Um, but they fellowship and they talk and they laugh and they, they're the body of Christ together and they learn about Jesus and they pray together and it is part of what essential church is. Um, my wife is trying to do that. I'm going to pick on you, honey, and she's going to punch me later. She's, she's um, just ordered a new Bible study series and, and she's going to start doing this, this inductive Bible study with, with at least one other person that I know of, I think. I'm not sure. Um, this is gathering up and studying and knowing Christ more together as a part of it. I'm about to order a series for men on what does it mean to be a man according to the scriptures. And I'd invite anybody who's interested to talk to me because I've done this series with a group of folks before and it's amazing. Um, 
and the fellowship and spending guy time and spitting on the floor outside and, and, you know, <laughs> and talking about, you're welcome, Carly, and talking about what it means to be men, like godly men, according to the scriptures, as a group, like this draws us together and it's essential and it's important and it's what make, makes life worth living in the end, living for Jesus, right? Um, sharing his word, um, discipling other people. There's this crazy thing, I caught it this year, I never noticed it before, as you read through the scriptures, right? Every once in a while, you'll, call, you'll catch where Paul will tell a community of people, older women spend time with younger women, so they learn how to be good women. That's crazy, right? So if, if you're a woman and you're like following Jesus and you've got it together, right? There are younger people who don't. You should invite them over and talk to them and trade pie recipes. Trade, not give. Um, and, and all of these other things. Like, like, or if you're men, older men, gather up with younger men. Why? Because younger men need to know how to grow up and be godly men. How do you do it? Do it together. That's what discipleship is, by the way. It's young people, less mature people, no offense, gathering with folks who know what they're doing and learning. Um, discipleship's at the center of it. Fellowship is at the center of it. Um, giving is at the center of it. Becoming the kind of people who do this and who are contagious in how we do it. Um, I, I read an interesting element to that. Um, accountability is the worst word in the world, Right? We gather up and we're accountable to each other. That's essential. Why? Because then you've got to answer to someone for it. So when I stop doing Bible study and, and someone comes up to me and says, so, you know, I know you're trying to do the Bible study every day. You doing it? No. <laughs> okay. You know how tough it is to get somebody in the front door of a church the first time? It's a whole heck of a lot tougher than um, getting out of a church on the other end. Anybody ever stop showing up to a church and have nobody call them? You know, or notice that somebody stopped showing up and nobody called them. This is what essential is. It's becoming a part of each other's lives. It's visiting when somebody's hurting. It's having folks over for dinner and celebrating um, and, and being the body of Christ together. Um, it's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. It's what, what we're going to be focusing on as a church because I honestly think it's at the heart of who we are. I think we're people who are committed. I think we're people who are committed and want other folks to walk with us and know Jesus. Um, am I wrong? I see a lot of head nods. This is who we are. This is what God has called us to be. And for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what each of us individually can do to make it happen. And it's happening to a degree. We're pretty good at it in some areas. Um, I read a quote from Martin Luther. We're not going to become Lutherans. Don't worry. Did somebody just sound upset about that? That I just... <laughs> you <know> that? Oh. <laughs> a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. And so we give, we spend time together, we become a part of each other's lives, we suffer together, we rejoice together, and it becomes worth something. And that's what we're after. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we'll do it all together. We're going to close in prayer. And we're going to, like, as we close in prayer, we're going to um, just kind of focus on what, what it is that God has called us to as a community. How is God speaking to your heart this morning regarding how to become a part of an essential church? How do you become a part of something that can't be left behind because it's like leaving plane tickets behind going to the airport? Um, Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, I pray that you would move in the lives of the folks who are here. I pray that you would touch them and help them to know you more intimately and help them become essential to the lives of those that they encounter. Uh, help this church to be um, like, like the pieces of the puzzle in life. More than just something found in the fridge on a, on a, on a whim or a momentary interest, but, but a central, um, essential part of life. Um, a part of life that can't just be left behind. Um, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, as we talk about essential church, one of the things that Christ gave us as a remembrance um, is, is the Lord's Supper. And we gather together and we, we share meals together, right? We break the bread and we drink the wine or grape juice. Um, and we remember that we're part of the body of Christ together. Um, and we're going to do that at this point. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, if you're a guest with us today, all we require is that you believe Jesus is Lord and that he died for your sins and that you're saved. Um, that's it. 